Hey, what's going on, everyone? Grant Cohn just got back from minicamp. It's over. It's over. No more football until training camp. They did two days of minicamp. And you get caught up in the moment. Yesterday, Sam Donald was a starter. Trey Lance played against the second team. Today, Trey Lance was a starter. Sam Donald played against the second team. And uh, I think it's time for us to take a step back and really look at who won this quarterback competition, at least in minicamp. I also want to talk about vets who practiced, vets who didn't. Potential injuries, Big Jake Moody, and maybe the most impressive second-year player so far, the most impressive second-year player so far, who's on the field. Brock Purdy's not on the field. So let's start with the quarterback competition. Here's how I'm scoring the quarterback competition. I'm not counting seven-on-sevens. Both quarterbacks were nearly flawless in seven-on-seven. Both were great. It's not real football. There's no pass rush. I mean, 11 on 11 with not, with, you know, no live contact isn't exactly f- real football either, but I'm saying no seven on seven. I don't count that during training camp. I'm not counting it during mini camp. So just 11 on 11, two days. Trey Lance, and th- th- they had even amounts of reps with the first and second team. Okay. So it's fair. Trey Lance, nine of 16, nine completions out of 16 attempts, one drop. One touchdown, one pick. Sam Darnold, 9 of 18 with two drops, no touchdowns, and one dropped interception uh, that throw to Diamador Lenore that hit him in the chest. So that would mean Trey Lance essentially 10 of his 16 throws were on target and Darnold 11 of his 18 throws were on target. I didn't tally up the yardage. I mean, it's a, it's a guess anyway. There isn't even tackling. So if I had to say who won the quarterback competition, it wasn't a knockout. It wasn't a TKO. In a split decision, I would give it to Trey Lance. I think he was a little bit more accurate. He had the nice long touchdown throw to Danny Gray at a bigger a bigger play. He did have an interception. But Sam Darnold had a dropped interception. The only difference is Kerry Hyder made an amazing snag and Diamond Lenore dropped a gimme. So both guys put the, the ball in harm way, harm's way once. Trey Lance had a long touchdown, and Darnold didn't. And Lance was a little bit more accurate. But Darnold's just learning the offense. Darnold's in his first year here. Trey's in his third year here. So in that sense, you could argue that Darnold really held his own, and this minicamp was a win for him because Trey should have been expected to blow Darnold out of the water. There's some validity to that. I mean, Trey Lance shouldn't be going neck and neck with Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold isn't good and he hasn't looked any better than he's looked the rest of his career in camp. Trey Lance, everyone says he looks better. I agree he looks better, but that's not good enough. That's not 9 of 16 with the drop and a touchdown and a pick. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit better than Darnold, but it's not going to get the 49ers to say like, you know what, screw Brock Purdy. We're good with Trey. Now, I don't know what Brock Purdy would look like right now, but... That's the situation the Niners are in. Trey Lance hasn't distanced himself enough from Sam Darnold to make the Niners think twice about making Sam Darnold their, I mean, making Brock Purdy their starting quarterback. So in the in training camp, it'll be interesting to see if Trey Lance can put some distance between him and Darnold or if they're going to just go back and forth each day. It seems like both of them are a little scattershot. Both of them have a little issue with accuracy. Um, both of them have strong arms. Both of them move around pretty well. Sam Darnold, what I want to... I think people think I'm like looking for things to to nitpick 
him with. So let me be generous. What he does well, he steps up in the pocket consistently, which is I could see as something that would be appealing to the 49ers considering they felt Brock Purdy didn't step up in the pocket and that's why he got injured. Although it's really wild to blame a player for his like victim blaming. But yeah, if you want a quarterback who stands tall in the pocket and steps up, Sam does that. He does it in in practice. So does Trey. Don't know if Brock Purdy does. The other thing about Sam, though, is that he took three sacks. He holds the ball a long time, especially in the 11-on-11 stuff. In the 7-on-7, he gets the ball out of his hands quick. He's decisive. He looks great. 11-on-11, all of a sudden, holding the ball a long time. Um, Pass rushers are running past him. You're not supposed to touch him. You're not supposed to tag him, but those are essentially sacks. You play on, but I don't know. I feel like we're seeing the same Sam Darnold, a guy who's a little inaccurate, holds the ball. Is he a playmaker? I don't know. Like... His good plays and bad plays even out, and there's probably more bad plays than good plays. But what what does that make Trey Lance a little bit better than a little bit better right now? He is two years younger, and we're talking three and a half career starts compared to like sixty career starts. So in that sense, if you're a Trey Lance fan, it's like okay, well, um, he's a little bit better than a guy with sixty career starts, and he's younger than him. So maybe we should just stick with Trey Lance and stop worrying about Sam Darnold. Other thing about Sam Darnold today is he did leave some big plays on the field. Like there was one I was standing. Danny Gray runs right past me. He's like, you know how wide receivers get when they're wide open and no one's covering them because it's a busted coverage. They start yelling and jumping and hooting and hollering. He was doing all of that, and Sam Darnold just, I don't know, didn't hear him, didn't see him. See no evil, speak no evil. He, he's fired this three-yard pass at Chris Conley's ankles, and the pass got broken up. So, But again, Trey Lance wasn't obviously better than Sam Darnold, and that's a problem. But it's early, and that's a good thing. Like I don't want to be too negative here. It's early. Sam Darnold, I mean, Trey Lance, is. I'm giving him the decision. A split decision over Sam Darnold in minicamp, it ultimately doesn't matter. It's essentially, the, it hasn't even started yet, this quarterback competition. It'll start in training camp, and whenever Brock Purdy comes back, if these two guys are just, you know, middling, having decent days, then it's Brock Purdy's job by default, based off what he did in games. One of these two, it's not going to be Sam. I'm sorry. I don't. One of the reasons I think it's not going to be Sam, and you know it, is like we only saw two of his practices in OTAs of the six, but all of a sudden, all that hype that we were hearing about Sam Darnold before OTA started kind of died down. All the stuff like Sam's a great, the greatest thrower in franchise history, and we stopped hearing Sam Darnold hype. Who do we start hearing hype about? Brandon Allen, <laughs> the third string quarterback. Oh my God, Kyle said Kyle Shannon said he's extremely impressed extremely impressed with Brandon Allen. Kyle Shanahan's always extremely impressed with his fourth-string quarterback. Like, he's the new Nick Mullins on the team. So I thought that was funny. He he speaks way too soon about Brandon Allen. Uh, and then today, Brandon Allen was one for eight. One of the worst practices performance, practice performances I've ever seen from a professional quarterback. Like, you know, Nate Sudfeld never had a day like that. C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins, none of these guys ever. Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, never going to have a day like one for eight. Just PBU, PBU, miss, 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 miss. Awful. And that's Kyle Shanahan's favorite quarterback of the week. Quarterback du jour, flavor of the month. The Brandon Allen experience. I even saw that the uh, play-by-play announcer for the team was saying that if Brandon Allen keeps it up, the Niners could trade Trey Lance. Well, he didn't. He didn't keep it up. So I think that tells you something about Darnold. All of a sudden, the people that are like the anyone but Lance people are talking about Brandon Allen. Well, that's over as of today. 
Now you got to go back to Sam Darnold again. Nine of 18, two drops, no touchdowns, one dropped pick. Not he didn't turn a corner. It's the same Sam Darnold. So what you got is the same Brandon Allen, the same Sam Darnold, and Trey Lance. Who the Niners are they invested in him? Or really, do the Niners just have Brock Purdy and that's it? It's just like, hopefully Brock Purdy comes back. If not, we'll just use it as an excuse and be like, ah, our quarterback wasn't here. He was injured. I don't know. It just feels like this wasn't the result of the quarterback competition the Niners wanted. doesn't have to be Trey Lance winning, but it needs to be someone winning definitively. Lance, Darnold, Allen. But no one, it was like a very narrow victory for Lance where neither quarterback played lights out. Not great. That's why quarterback competitions don't necessarily help your team. Hero Winchester says, Grant be like breaking news, a blade of grass exchanges words with another blade of grass. What could this mean for the blade of grass? I thought that was a good a good headline. I mean, they literally exchanged words. Now, they were smiling and, prob- and laughing and probably talking, but it, it, you know, they weren't heated words, but why would you assume they were heated? I just said they were words. Flave says, Larry said a lot of plays ended with Trey holding the ball today, and he struggled to get rid of it. Any idea what he was talking about? I mean, there were a couple of scrambles for Trey. There were a couple scrambles for Darnold. I don't know. So, yeah, I'm not trying to make excuses for Trey, but I'm just trying to say that Darnold did a lot of the same stuff, just a little bit worse. So I think it's important to keep in mind that when you're criticizing either one. Like, I could go back and show you the times where Darnold scrambled had a play-action bootleg and took five yards. Um, they both did it. I mean, they, they, both of them were a little bit less decisive than you'd like. Both. Neither one was wowing people at minicamp. I mean, really, the result of this quarterback competition was Brock, come back as soon as possible, please. That was the result of the, of the first wave of this quarterback competition. Brock, please come back right now. We need you. And that may not happen this year. I mean, we'll see. Is Joey Fisher any good? We'll see when the pads go on. I did notice he was playing left guard with the third string offense today. The left tackle was Ilm Manning. The um, center was someone wearing number 61. You could check him out. I don't know who that is. I don't have it in front of me right now. Right tackle was Jason Poe. So we'll see about Joey Fisher when the pads go on. You can watch him do one-on-ones. Let's talk about Brock Purdy. So, it was a very interesting week. Reports came out locally and nationally. Matt Mayoko, Albert Breer, uh, Brock Purdy's ahead of schedule. After one week of rehab, he's ahead of schedule. And the expectation is that he'll start week one and really be back for not training, not preseason and training camp, but like a few weeks before season starts so he can have a bunch of practices. And then some reporters started walking it back. Like, actually, I didn't hear that. It was my opinion. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm speculating. Um, and then I can't help but remember every single time Brock Purdy's asked about this, he seems to have a different answer than the 49ers. The Niners are the ones that are all gung-ho. Like, he looks great. He looks great. Wow, he's such a great athlete. He's ahead of schedule. It's amazing. When Brock talks about it, he never says like, yeah, man, I'm ahead of schedule. I'm chomping to get back. He always says, just taking it one day at a time. You never know what's going to happen. Being prudent. Want to do what's best. Um, no, I'd, The hope is that I'll play week one. The hope is that I'll play this year. So I wonder, is it possible that when the Niners say things through the media, like 
he looks great. He's ahead of schedule. Uh, he'll be here week one. Is it almost like a little bit of pressure that they're saying, like almost talking to him indirectly, like, hey, bud, we think you're going you're gonna to be ready for week one. So that's our medical opinion based on our doctors. So you better be ready week one if you, wanna, if you want us to think that you're all in with us. But what do we know about Brock? Right, like the Niners gave him a diagnosis. Their doctors look at, looked at him. He got a second opinion, right? He went to someone else. He went to an independent doctor. He waited a month and a half to have the surgery. He didn't get it right away. He wasn't chomping at the bit to do what's best for the 49ers. He was doing what's best for him. He got a second opinion. He waited. And when asked about this, he's very diplomatic. And he says, yeah, you know, uh, take it one day at a time. But what do him and his team and his parents and his doctor want? Like, is it possible the Niners doctors will clear him and he'll get a second opinion from his doctor and his doctor will be like, no, we don't really think he is cleared fully yet. I mean, is that going to happen? He already got a second opinion once. I mean, if his doctor feels he's not fully 100% ready, is it in his interest to play? I mean, it's in the Niners' interest. But this guy, like, they're only paying him like $900,000 a year. He's, he can't get an extension until after next year. He's locked into this veteran minimum. I mean, not veteran minimum, rookie minimum for another three years. He can't hold out. And they're going to push him to play. I mean, if his, if his doctor says it's all good and everyone agrees that he's 100% ready, then great, go play. But is it possible if there's a disagreement and he only has like $500,000 after taxes to play for. He's like, if all if all's the same, I'm going to go with my doctor's recommendation here and, you know, not play right away. So when he clears me, I'll let you know. Is that possible? I mean, the Niners don't really know what he's going to do. And he seems to talk differently than them. So maybe that's why they're so excited about Brandon Allen and Sam Darnold. It also may be why even if Trey Lance in some world were to want a trade, I don't know. You'd think if the writing's on the wall that he's not going to start for this team this year, he'd probably want to go to another team where he could learn the offense and get in training camp and compete for the job now. But if the Niners don't know for sure that Brock Purdy's going to be fully cleared, <clears throat> they can't trade Trey. <clears throat> so I think it's interesting. I'm really looking out for more Brock Purdy snippets when he talks on the record. What is he saying? Uh, also, um, <clears throat> I think it's interesting that the Niners, they got through one week of rehab. With Brock Purdy, one him one week of him throwing a ball, and they're already projecting him coming back. Like, how come him making it through one week of rehab doesn't mean that he's gonna suffer? It doesn't mean. Why does that mean he won't suffer a setback at some point in the next eleven weeks? They're gonna make the rehab more intense. They're gonna slowly ramp it up. He could suffer a setback at any time. This is I feel like the Niners do this all the time. They have some good results and they get ahead of themselves. Okay, well, he, he got he got through one week of rehab without injuring himself. He's good now. You better take it slow. I, I think Brock knows. I think Brock knows. Joseph says, asthma, Ant on YT uses your content but skips on the intro. That's basically like taking the blue check mark off your Twitter. Yeah, I should uh, flag him for copyright infringement. I'll do it. Why is he doing that? That's just stealing. What a loser. Khalil Kemp says, we'll know if the Niners are mes uh, messaging to Brock if they suddenly start hyping up Trey week three of the preseason. Good point. Now you're thinking like I'm thinking. All right, let's talk about the veterans who practice. I got the... Okay. 
So here's how minicamp works. It's mandatory. If you don't go, you get fined and the team can't pay you back. Like there used to be a gentleman's agreement where they, they, they'd give the money back to you um, when you come back to the team eventually. But no, I think it's $50,000 a day you get fined if you don't show up to mandatory minicamp. So everyone shows up and most players go through drills. They put on the jersey and the cleats and the helmet and they run around and get a sweat and work with their position coaches. But when it's time to do, you know, seven on seven, 11 on 11, not all vets participate in that because football practice kind of sucks. It's hard. It's exhausting going against guys who are trying really hard to make the team and aren't as good as you, maybe a little clumsy and they might step on your foot. You know, they might poke in the eye. They might do a little bit more to make the team. I mean, it, it's, it's brutal out there. It's football. Anyway, a lot of guys sit out. A lot of guys don't, though. Jerry Rice didn't back in the day. That was his thing. He was maniacal. You couldn't keep him off the field, and it's one of the re- things that made him the greatest. And having players like that is one of the reasons the Niners won five Super Bowls. And I think it's important to point out the guys on this team who are practicing in freaking June when they get no credit, there's no cameras on them, there's no glory for it, no one's really going to even mention it. George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Eric Armstead, Talanoa Hufunga, Brandon Ayuk, Jake Brendel. <clears throat> those six. Any of those guys could sit out. I mean, George Kittle, he's one of the best tight ends in the league. He's 30 years old. He could stop. He doesn't need to, he doesn't need to be out there. Christian McCaffrey, He's a running back. Like all the all the reason to preserve him, but he's in every single he doesn't miss any snaps with the first team. I mean, he lets he doesn't miss any any snaps that which that should be his. Doesn't give him to Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason fu- comes in after him. Eric Armstead, he's over here making like 20 something million dollars a year. He doesn't need to be out there. He's out there. Hafunga hasn't gotten paid yet. Ayuk hasn't gotten paid yet. So you kind of see why they're still proving themselves, but Nick Bosa's not out there. And Jake Brendel, he's 30 years old. He doesn't need to be out there, but he is. So I, I respect that. And to me, when you talk about leadership, that's leadership. This is a team that hasn't won the Super Bowl yet. They think they're going to by default eventually, but they won't. They're going to have to earn it. They're going to have to work a little harder, even though they think they've already worked as hard as they possibly can. And it starts now. You can't throw away offseason practices. You got to be ready to go week one, which the Niners haven't been in since 2019. They've started out slow three years in a row. It's either injuries or whatever. So someone needs to set the tone like, hey, uh, these practices matter, and I'm going full speed, and you guys should too, but it's up to you. And Kittle, he had a a 60-yard touchdown. He was great in minicamp. McCaffrey was great in minicamp and in OTAs. Eric Armstead was there every day. Brandon Ayuk, every freaking day. So I think those guys deserve credit. And you're talking about who, who's a captain. Those are captains. Don't tell me you're a captain and you couldn't and you stood and watched minicamp. Why? Were you afraid of getting hurt? McCaffrey was out there. Jerry Rice wouldn't have done that. Are you better than Jerry Rice was? I don't get that. You have a goal. You want to win the Super Bowl. Make something out of today. So those guys did. And it seemed like they challenged their teammates to do it too, and some guys weren't up to it. 
George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Eric Armstead, Talanoa Funga, Brandon Ayuk, Jake Brendel. Those are your those are six captains right there and a quarterback. How about that? Have to earn captainhood by showing up and practice, not just showing up, practicing well. Kittle dominated today. McCaffrey dominates every day. Ayuk dominates every day. Those are captains. They didn't get any credit for it. They didn't get a bonus for it. They didn't, there were no highlights on the internet. No one saw it. They just did it because they have freaking pride. Pride! It's a concept called pride, and they have it. Salute. Um, Bobby D says, has Trey been sacked in minicamp? No. No. He got the ball out quicker, or he got away from pressure. SJ Braveheart says, when does real training camp start? End of July. Really, uh, the pads go on like August 1. Yo, that hat is whack. LOL, big fan of your content. No, man, it's, I love this hat. It's like a, it's a non-whack corduroy hat that I like made by Levi's. When does real training camp start? Oh, I wrote it again. Oh, I guess it does. I guess it is whack. Edgardo says, 95-7 Willard states Trey was throwing wobblers, was the third best quarterback, struggled to read defenses, would run. Sam takes three sacks. Uh, live, those are three fumbles. I don't know who Willard is, but that just means he probably doesn't know what he's looking at. So, But I mean, everyone's entitled to their take on events, but not everyone knows what they're looking at. One more thing I wanted to mention about the quarterback competition. I, I mentioned it on my um, uh, good and not so good, but I got to do it because Talanoa Funga told me to. But when Trey Lance threw his pick today, it was a great play by Kerry Hyder. I mean, that guy, like... Trey Lance threw the ball. Kerry, it seemed like Kerry Hyder's hands were like right in front of it. And it's hard to catch a ball that's thrown as hard as, you know, that hard at point blank range, especially if you're not a wide receiver. And he just snagged it, took it right away from Lance. The defense got so excited. You know, they're, they're working, they're out there without Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, bunch of guys. And so Talano Hafunga, who's like the man on the defense in minicamp with all these other guys out. Walks up the, walks down the sideline past me and says, "Hey, mention that in your show tonight." I was like, "Okay, I will." It was a great play. It was a great play. It's not one of these like, "Oh, the quarterback messed up." Yeah, I mean, he shouldn't have thrown that, but it's, it was just a phenomenal play by Kerry Hyder, who, um, for whatever reason, hasn't done a ton away from the 49ers and Chris Kosarik, but here, he's really good. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up playing a lot this year. Everyone's assuming Drake Jackson's going to be playing opposite Nick Bosa. We'll see. He's going to have to like make some plays, and Kerry Hyder always makes plays on this team for some, for some reason. So Talanoa, I mentioned it. It was a great play. The defense won the day today. Let's talk about veterans who didn't practice in minicamp for one reason or another. They showed up. You know, They put the jersey on. They went through drills, they broke a sweat, and then they watched practice from the sideline because they're very important, and they don't want to get hurt, and I get that. But at the same time, other veterans on the team who are captains went out there and set the pace, showed the young players what it takes and what's going to be required for them to go deep into the playoffs. Guys who couldn't be bothered. Debo Samuel, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Trent Williams, Javon Hargrave, Traverius Ward, Nick Bosa. These 
Seven players, apparently, are just too good to play. You can't risk it. I mean, sure, they'd like to practice, but there's so much at stake for them that they just can't get on the field and, you know, give the player across from them a real good look in June. Because even though iron sharpens iron and every rep is invaluable and there's fewer and fewer every year because the veterans who negotiate with the NFLPA and the NFL always take hours and hours away from the coaches because they don't want to work as much anymore. And the more work, the easier it is to develop the young guys who take their job. So you, t- you legislate all these hours and, and practices away. They cancel one-week OTAs, and you still don't practice. And then you go up on the, on the, the press conference and say that you got your head on straight, and last year you were distracted, and this year you're going to be better and you're in better shape. Well, then practice. I love how Debo Samuel at the, at the podium yesterday was like, man, that whole contract thing was a big distraction last year. Dude, you distracted yourself. Nick Bosa's going through the contract thing right now. We wouldn't know it. He's going to talk about it. But Debo Samuel melted in March, and he let it affect his entire offseason. Apparently, it affected his fitness. He came in out of shape and overweight. He admitted. He said it was a distraction. He distracted himself. It's not a distraction for Bosa, but Bosa's not practicing. I don't know. It just seems to me like if you're this team that has lost back-to-back NFC Championship games and you keep telling people that you're the most that you're the best team in the league, essentially, that no one else could have gone to three NFC Championship games in four years, and that's some type of accomplishment, and it, and it proves that they're going to win the Super Bowl like now, Like, shouldn't you be making your big push right now? Shouldn't you not be canceling OTAs? Shouldn't, you, shouldn't everyone be out there like, hey, guys, this is our year. We're pissed. We lost in Philly. We got screwed. We should we, we should have won that game. Like we have a chip on our shoulder. We're gonna prove it every single day. Debo, we need you out here. Hargrave, Trent, we need you out here. Like this is the year. We we are gonna empty the tank this year. We're gonna empty the clip this year. But like not like they're pacing themselves because they do this every year. Like oh you know we're the kind of team we play deep into January. Like yeah, but you don't play into February, do you? You're trying to get into February, and to get into February. You don't throw away June. So, you know what? It, I'm, I'm probably sounding like a curmudgeon right now. But it's their business. And yet, Nick Bosa, he'll be ready. But he was a captain last year. He should not be a captain. Trent Williams should not be a captain. Debo Samuel should not be a captain. I mean, I always think of Fred Warner as the ultimate leader on this team, but I just don't understand him not being out there. Seems like he gave his captainship to Talanoa. So you be captain, man. You do it. I'm too old for this. I'm too good for this. I don't know. Maybe I'm tripping, man. But that's what I that's what I didn't like about minicamp. I feel like if you think you have a special team and you guys are a team of destiny, you should be out there. You should, you should, they should be trying to hold you back. This is a special team. You only have so many practices where you guys can all be out there together. Why would you throw that away? Unless this isn't your year because you don't know who the hell your quarterback is. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. Flave says, if you had to choose between two cars that were basically indistinguishable, but one cost you $9.3 million and the other cost you $4.5 million, which one would you choose? Well, it's not that simple, though, because there's also the initial investment of the first-round picks. So you, you mortgaged your future for Trey Lance and then crashed the car 
And now someone else fixed it and you're like, well, you know, monthly is a little expensive, but like you already put like $30,000 down where someone gave you Sam Darnold. So I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be a little tough to just throw away the car I spent 30K on and is now fixed that I didn't fix. I couldn't fix it, but it got, but the car got fixed. Someone else gave me another car in the meantime for free. And yeah, it's a little bit cheaper. And maybe you could do some of the things that the other car could do, but I, I'm not throwing away that car right now. Unless Brock Purdy comes back and is the greatest car of all time for cheap. Like, that's the only way. But I, I like how you try to lead me. You think you're smarter than me, Flave, but you're not. Isaac says, Kyle said Drake Jackson looks incredible. Thoughts? He doesn't. But it's a nice thing to say. He looks like Drake Jackson plus 10 pounds. Is Gutierrez still on the team? How's he look? I didn't notice him in minicamp. But again, when the pads go on, that's when it gets serious for the line for the linemen, and we'll see how they do in one-on-ones. Okay, so I complained about the players who were standing there healthy, not practicing. There are also some players who were not practicing and appear to be injured, but there was no official explanation because the NFL teams only tell you what they have to tell you, and there's no like real practice uh, injury report until training camp. So they'll be like, yeah, he's working through something. So players who were not out there in training camp. Um, Elijah Mitchell. Uh, Darrell Luter Jr. Javon Kinlaw. I don't know what's going on there. And I guess maybe it was just a little, you know, who knows? It could have been nothing. And if it was something, it could have been small. And when they come back in training camp in a month and a half, it could be history. But those three guys were not on the field. And it's not like they're like Fred Warner and Debo where their play has dictated that they don't have to be out there. Those guys normally would be out there. Elijah Mitchell, Kinlaw, Darrell Luter Jr., the rookie. So they weren't something to monitor what's going on. Team doesn't have to tell us, so they won't. But Kinlaw, he's got an injury history. Luter Jr., he's an important rookie. And Mitchell, big injury history. Mitchell's discouraging because... I mean, they're all discouraging, obviously. But with Mitchell, he's so good when he's healthy. He's so freaking good. But at the same time, he's never healthy. Um, and they, you know, that cliche, the best availability. The best ability is availability. I, just can't, I can't even say cliches correctly. And he's not available. Right now, if this is what his training camp's going to be like, if he doesn't come back and have a great training camp where he's healthy the whole time, he's going to lose his job to Jordan Mason. Because Jordan Mason looks... Just phenomenal. As good as he looked last year, he looks better this year. I would guess he weighs 5 to 10 pounds less this year, which is good. He looks faster. He still looks like a freaking pain in the butt to tackle. Um, So that's a silver lining. He looks good. Uh, Ty Davis Price looks a little bit more confident, I suppose. Definitely has more burst than Trey Sermon ever had. Kinlaw. I don't know. Hopefully he was just a, a one-off. I mean, Darrell Luter Jr., maybe, maybe these guys had family issues. Maybe Darrell Luter Jr. had a kid. Who knows? They didn't tell us. We'll see. Jake Moody kicked a 63-yard field goal today. It was crazy. Uh, yesterday, he missed a 38-yarder. It was kind of embarrassing. And Zane Gonzalez had the first kick of the day. It was almost like, is there a, court, is there a kicker competition and is Jake Moody losing it? Well, I guess the team... <laughs> heard it, read it, was aware of the noise, and addressed it today uh, by letting Jake Moody attempt a 63-yard kick. He, they had him have, kick a 53-yarder first, and he nailed it. Then he went back to 63. 
He crushed it. Watching him kick field goals is like watching Barry Bonds hit batting practice. I mean, it's like the ball's going into the bay. It's amazing. He kicks really, really hard. And that's the point they wanted to prove today. What was funny is they didn't let Zane Gonzalez kick a 63-yarder. It was like, dude, don't even embarrass yourself trying. I think the longest one he attempted was like 45. 45. Jake Moody hit a 55-yarder and a 63-yarder. So, yeah, he's the kicker on the team. Only question with him is if he's going to like crumble in a big moment because he's never faced big moments like he's going to face in the NFL. Or will he miss like short ones? Will he kick him too hard? Janikowski used to do that, if you remember, 20 years ago. That guy would kick the crap out of a 35-yarder and miss it, hook it wide right. That's exactly what Moody did yesterday. But I don't know. Today he hit a 63-yarder, so that's fair play. Good job, Jake Moody. Of all the second-year players who are making the biggest leap, Drake Jackson, Danny Gray, Ty Davis-Price, Spencer Burford, uh, I, I think the Nick Zakel, Brock Purdy's not out there. Elijah Mitchell, well, Elijah Mitchell's the third year player. Of all the second year players, I think the one who's playing the best right now is cornerback Samuel Womack. People didn't really know what to make of him. He had a good offseason last year. He's 5'9. He's short. When they drafted him, it looked like they were drafting him to play nickel. And he was the starting nickel at first last year, but they, they benched him after week two. There was something about the way he played that nickel spot that they didn't like. I don't know. Maybe it was what he did against the run or he was blowing his assignments or whatever. I don't understand because in preseason, his coverage was excellent in the slot. He was intercepting passes, playing man-to-man, like, which is really hard to do, especially in the slot where wide receivers can go any direction. You have to follow him around and get your head around and catch the ball. Good luck. He did it. I want to say multiple times. And then he got benched for un- <laughs> for strange reasons. Now you got a new defensive coordinator, and he's not playing nickel. He's playing outside. And he's playing on the right. He's backing up Diamador Lenore. He's about an inch shorter than Lenore. He's a lot faster than Lenore. And right now he looks better than Lenore, at least in coverage. I don't think he gave up a single catch all of minicamp. He's really sticky in man-to-man coverage. Like, if anyone is close to what Jason Verrett could do for the Niners, I mean, Lenore's wearing his number and trying to look like him, but it's Womack. Womack is very confident. He's very fast. He plays very close. He doesn't give up hardly any separation. I mean, his coverage is so good, sometimes you're wondering if he's going to get flagged, but he's not grabbing. He's just in the guy's hip pocket. He's just running in his pocket. So, Samuel Womack, if you're watching, I've never met you, but I really respect your game. I kind of wrote you off this year because you're five foot nine and i'm thinking the new d coordinator might prefer to have bigger longer cornerbacks but everyone has their preferences what do you got you're the one stepping up not ambry thomas uh not darrell luter jr he was not there in minicamp i don't know why maybe he had you know whatever but you were there and you stepped up you made these two days count for you big winner Sam Womack, it's always nice to see a second-year player assert himself. And you know what would have been nice? The way Sam Womack asserted himself, it would have been nice if Trey Lance would have done the same thing. And I know it's tougher for a quarterback, and I'm not blaming Trey Lance. I'm definitely not blaming Trey. But uh, 
Yeah, the Niners, it, everything would be so much simpler if Trey had just asserted himself and taken a leap like Womack did. But I think that kind of underscores the fact that quarterbacks just don't teach themselves, develop themselves. There needs to be a real commitment and plan from the coaching staff. And I don't think there ever was a commitment plan for Trey Lance from this coaching staff. But we're not talking about him right now. But really, honestly, right? Like the, the plan was sit him for a year and then play him at running back. That's how we're going to develop him as a quarterback. We're going to not play him for a year and then play him at running back, and then he'll be a good quarterback. Anyway, um, how many times did Trey get sacked? Zero from my count. Zero. Jorge Luis Sotelo says, have you seen the new Spider-Verse movie? It's so good, great. Miles Morales is for president. No. Sorry. I stopped watching Marvel movies a while ago. There's too many. I'm sorry. But my cousin draws the storyboards for him. Scott Cohn. Shout out, Scott. Christian says, what's something you like about Hayward, California? Uh, I, I mean, actually, the downtown is really cute. A Street, B Street, C Street. There's nice restaurants and bars down there. Uh, Cal State East Bay has, is on that nice little hill. Uh, there's good Mexican food in Hayward, California. It's, it's close to San Leandro, where my grandma lived. I mean... Hayward's Hayward's underrated. Hayward's nice. I like Hayward. Shout out to Hayward. <laughs> uh, all right, last thing. No, that's it. That's the whole thing. The whole thing and nothing but the thing. Thank you for watching the show. I got nothing else to talk about. What'd I say? Yeah. yeah. Val, Val's. Val's is money. I like Val's. Is that in Hayward? It's real close to Castro Valley, but it is Hayward, isn't it? Anyway. Hayward. Haystack. I like that people call it Haystack. The Haystack. I think that's pretty cool. Casper's freeway access. Yeah. All of that. It's a nice hat. I, I, I'd normally take the hat off, but I got hat hair. So I left the hat on because I was in the sun all day. Bronco Billies. Used to be Bancheros. Bancheros. I don't know if it was in Hayward, although I think it is Hayward doesn't exist anymore but it was like old school italian dinerish kind of place and my grandma loved banch well, my whole family loved bancheros used to have like one of those sunken smoky bars in the in the front and one of those dining rooms where like different numbers would pop up on the wall for you know it was great the kind of place where you get like a free bowl of soup with your entree gets free stuff Bancheros. Anyone remember Bancheros? It's old. It's been gone for 15 years. Anyway, uh, I'm out. Thanks for watching. I'm going to go pump iron. I'll see you guys tomorrow with my dad. Peace.